Turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I'll get this microphone turned on here in a second. I appreciate Brother Toby uh, asking me to preach again. I, I, I love I love to preach. I just love to glorify God and give Him praise because I have a great God. We all have a great God. If you know Him tonight, you have a great God. <laughs> you have a great God. He will never fail you. He'll never forsake you. He'll always go with you to the end of the earth. <laughs> all right. Can you guys hear me okay? All right. Very good. So when you find your place, uh, John chapter 1, we'll begin reading in verse uh, 35. So John chapter 1, verse number 35, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. And the Bible said in verse 35, Again the next day, after John stood, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with them that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which has been interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find a Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite, indeed, in whom is no guile. And Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your many, 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 many blessings, Lord. Uh, we thank you for your loving, a graceful, a merciful God tonight. We thank you, Lord, for, for what you've done for us already today, Lord. I thank you for our health. We have to be here tonight and ability to be here. Uh, may we not take for granted to be in your house tonight, Lord, on this midweek service. God, we need you. We need your strength. We need your help. We need to hear from you tonight. I pray, Lord, you, you help me. May I be a vessel of you. Uh, Lord, will you give me the words to say, Lord, hide me behind the cross and let me not say anything to hinder the Spirit. But may I, my words go out to help and to touch and to encourage people and to, to touch hearts. Lord, may you do all the, all the work because without you, I can do nothing tonight, Lord. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your guidance. I need your clarity. I need you to use me tonight, Lord. Without you, I can do nothing. God, I love you. Thank you for your word. May you please bless it. And may we uh, do everything to magnify and glorify your son. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for saving me, for dying on the cross for my sins. And God, we love you so much. And may you be in the service. We love you. And that's all these things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So uh, I'm going to try my best to stay on point tonight. As I was studying, I had so many ways I wanted to go with this message. There were so many points just popping out. And um, as my dad used to say, chasing, chasing rabbits here and there. So I'm going to do my best to stay on point. And not chase so many rabbits. So uh, uh, we all know this story in John chapter 1. 
how John the Baptist is going out, he's proclaiming uh, Christ, he's telling them how Christ is coming, there's one greater than he, and uh, basically he's trying to get the word out, hey, you know what, the Lamb of God is coming to take away the sins of the world. That was his job. John's job was to preach and preach and preach. It didn't matter who he offended, he had a job to preach. Today, I have a job to preach. It doesn't matter who I offend, I have to trust and follow God's word and preach God's word and John did this as well. He was not liked. John was not liked by a lot of people, you know. But John didn't care because he he loved his God and God loved him. So uh, we see John, he's preaching. He has disciples. These disciples love him. They follow him. They want to be with him. They want to like, do what he says. They want to just, you know, just to help John as much as possible. And then one day, John's like, you see that? <laughs> Behold, the Lamb of God. All the attention goes from John to the man he's been preaching about. The man say he's coming. Here he is. Guys, that's him. That's why I want you to follow now. And so his disciples, as much as they love John, they see Jesus, this new preacher, this new master, this new teacher. He's different. He's a lot different. He's a lot greater. And Jesus even said that John the Baptist was the greatest man to ever live. Jesus said that. Imagine Jesus saying that. I mean, we all, I have many role models, many preachers I love to hear preach. I think the world of them, you know, here's John the Baptist and he says that there's one coming after me whose shoes I am unworthy to latch shoes are are gross right I mean brother Tony preached a few weeks ago about shoes being in your house take the shoes off at the door then walk in my wife can attest to that if you come to my house better watch your shoes because <laughs> but uh shoes are, are gross they're all over the floor you get germs and here's John he's like this man's so great I ain't worthy to latch his shoes I can't hold his shoes for him. And then Jesus says, John is the greatest man that's ever lived. And here's John like, all right, guys, I've been preaching for a while. That man I'm preaching about, he's here. He's right there. Behold, the Lamb of God. I can't imagine being there. Can you, I mean, just put it in your mind, just being there that day and seeing Jesus. One day we're going to see him, but I cannot, cannot imagine being there that day. How wonderful and how amazing that would have been. So here's these two disciples. First, we have in verse number 37. It says, and the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And then, look down to verse number 40. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Well, Andrew heard and saw Jesus, and the first thing he did, he's like, all right, I got to go tell my brother. You know, here I know, and I see him. Let me tell somebody else. The first thing we should do, and what we want to do, is when we hear about Jesus, is tell somebody else. We want to tell as many people as we can, but what is what does Andrew do first? It says right here, verse 41, he first findeth his own brother. We have family members today. I have some that don't know Christ. I have a lot that know Christ. I'm very blessed and very thankful for being raised in godly home. I need to tell my family first about Jesus. Those who don't know, I got to make sure they know about Jesus. Our family, God's entrusted us with a family. We should tell them, tell them, tell them, make sure they know, and then tell the world. Your family has to know. Got to make sure your family knows. And, and uh, Andrew's like, I got to tell, I got to tell Simon. I got to tell him. I got, he's got to know. So he runs off and tells him. And what does Simon do? He comes right away. He's got to see Jesus. And then, uh, Jesus, you know, tells him like, listen, I'm changing your name. You're being known as the stone, which we know in the later on the, in the, in the New Testament, uh, the church is built around Peter or around Jesus, of course, but Peter is that stone. He does all the, he does a lot of preaching. A lot of people are saved. Peter was used in the ministry because Andrew went and told him, what if Andrew was selfish? What if he kept it all to himself? Like, you know, I found Jesus, but instead of telling Aunt, or Simon, I'm going to just, you know, follow. I'm going to leave 
and go with him and not, not see Simon anymore. Simon, he thought more of himself. He thought someone else, a friend, a loved one. If there's anyone in your heart tonight, anyone at all in your family, in your, in your friendship, in, in high school, in college, make sure they know. Don't leave them out. What if someone left us out one day? We would have missed out on all this glorious. It's amazing how much we, we know now, but what if someone didn't tell us? You know, what if we would have left behind? You know, it just burns my heart because I want to make sure that everybody I know, all my friends, I want to make sure they know. Because it's, it's short. We all say it every single, every single service. Jesus is coming back. It's going to happen. Are we telling everyone we know? So let's move down to verse number 43. And verse 43, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find a Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was of, was of Bethsaida. I've been saying that all day long. I can't get that right. <laughs> the city of Andrew and Peter. Uh, Philip findeth Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses is in the law. So now Philip, he leaves and goes find his friend, Nathaniel. He does the same thing. He tells his friend. What do we see here? A nice, good pattern of going and taking what we know of Jesus and telling other people. We've been all called the same, same, uh, ministry, same, uh, 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 work is to tell others. We have to tell. We have to tell. And plus, you know, sometimes you're filled with the Spirit, it's hard not to tell, you know? You gotta tell somebody. You're so filled up. I gotta tell somebody about Jesus, you know? And once you tell, they're like, oh, what do you, what do you got that I don't have? What do you know that I don't know? Let me tell you about him. So, uh, and now we're going to move on to a little bit of, I have a, I have a two-part message. I'm going to, like I said, stay on point best as I can. And it is, okay, I'll keep you here till about, about nine. So nine o'clock should be good, alright? So, I'm going to preach a little bit tonight on Philip and Nathaniel. And Philip is the guy, hey, he's, you know, he's the one who went and told others. And Philip is a, a really good example of how we should be as far as like leading people to Christ. So my first point tonight is in verse 45 and 46. It says, Philip, Philip findeth Nathaniel, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and prophets did write, Jesus is Nazareth, Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. I love how earlier in the passage here in verse number 39, we see Jesus say, come and see. The Holy Spirit puts it here like, okay, if you guys want to find the best way to witness and to tell people about Christ, look what Jesus does. Jesus says, come and see. We want to win people to Christ, follow Christ's example of how he won others. He, he, now Christ is the son of God. He's God. He's God. He did not win all to repentance. I'll get to that in a little bit more, but we're not going to win all. Unfortunately, it's hard to see it, but we're not going to win them all. But that does not mean we don't have to try. You know, we got to at least try. If we're not talking, if we're not telling, then what are we doing? I, this is this is to myself tonight. I'm not preaching to you guys. This is this is all to me. God's giving this to me. I'm preaching to myself. You guys just get some of it as well. So <laughs> we 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 got to do better, and we got to tell more. So the first thing we see is how do we get others to Christ? Well, I see the first thing is we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How is our life? Can people see Christ in us? How's our testimony? Are we walking in the spirit? Are we walking in the flesh? Because it's a lot easier to witness and tell someone about Christ if you're filled with the spirit. One reason was most of the time you got a smile on your face, you know? You got a soul in your heart, and you're blessed because you have Christ in your heart. You're, he's just filling you with so much love. But walking after the flesh, though, it's harder to find that joy because we're more worried about other things in the world. We don't have that smile on our face. And so when someone comes into our, our, our circle here, we're having a bad day, and there's someone like who needs to hear of Christ, but our thoughts are somewhere else. 
but we're thinking about work, we're thinking about how mad we are, that opportunity could pass us by so fast, we're just like, oh, you know what, I could have witnessed this now, but I didn't because I was in the flesh. Fill with the Holy Spirit. That's the best and first way when we witness people. Fill with the Holy Spirit. And the second thing is obviously we can't take people to Jesus like Philip did. We can't take him to where Jesus was. God's given us a church. He's given us a place of work. The church is the body of Christ. We are the body, right? Right? We're the bridegroom. Oh, he's the bride. We're the bride. He's going to come back and get us one day. We know who's coming. He's coming. We know where to, where to go to worship. Bringing people to church. It's hard for people to come to church these days because they hear so many negative things about church. Like, oh, they'll judge me. Oh, they'll say things about me. One thing I know about Walrus Baptist Church, you guys are the most loving church I've ever been around. And I'm not just saying that because I belong here, all right? Uh, yes, I belong here. Yes, we got Ken here. But listen, <laughs> you guys made my friend, and I'm, I'm going to get off such a little bit. You guys made my friend feel so welcome. He's never experienced anything like this before. He walked in those doors and had greeters and was like, what, what's happening? You know, what is, who, why is everybody so nice? What are everybody so friendly for? We're di- it's different. When you're filled with Christ and filled with the love of Christ, you're different. That is the best way to show people how much Christ means to us is how much we love him. That love reflects onto someone else. Just. And I don't know. I pray and God's going to save Scott. I believe he will. That's the Scott. Scott has to make a decision. But what Scott saw on Sunday, we have something that's real and it can save. He knows it. He knows it. And you guys, I, I can't thank you enough for your prayers. And the love you showed. I just want to say that uh, off topic, but Christ is in the church if we are in the spirit. Are we in the spirit? Are we also not in the spirit? Be very careful because it's very easy to get out of the spirit. I promise you that. It's very easy to get caught up in your flesh. I'm guilty of that. So the next thing we see here is another reason, another way for us to be a witness is examples that Jesus did. In John chapter 3 and John chapter 4, I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but chapter 3, he witnessed to Nicodemus. We know the story of Nicodemus. Uh, he's a very wise man. He knew the scriptures. And in chapter 4, he witnessed to the, the Samaritan woman at the well. She was not a very wise woman like Nicodemus. We have to be careful on how we witness the people. If Jesus would have went to the Samaritan woman and talked about being born again and going back and being born again and uh, other flesh. Sorry, let me just read it for you. Hold on a second. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, a set me born again of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. So right here he's saying stuff that Nicodemus could kind of comprehend, could understand. If you had the woman at the well, she's going way over her head, he might have lost it right there, like, what are you talking about? But he doesn't. He deals with the Samaritan woman with water. He uses water as a way of salvation, a way of life. She can relate to that because she's going to get water. You can't, be, you gotta be careful how you witness someone. Because what if someone doesn't know anything about church, anything about God? And we got going up to them and start listening to them about re- revelation and the rapture and what's going to happen. They'd be like, what are you talking about? You know? Start simple. Adam and Eve. You know, sitting in the garden. The devil deceiving them. Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins. Those things we can all appreciate and look to. We definitely can, but someone simple and who doesn't know the Bible, they could understand that more than something more uh, in-depth. Whereas today, I had a perfect example. I think God put this right in my way just for tonight. 
I had a man come to my office, very smart man, very educated, knew the word of God. He says he's a Christian, but he started saying things that I knew were not right. I knew the Bible didn't line up with that, you know. And so he was more he was more educated in the scriptures. So I could also, you know, show him what I knew. That was my way of witnessing to him. I'm going to pray for him. Maybe he'll receive Christ as Savior. Maybe saved. But I know from what I know and what I've been studying that what he know he knew was not right. There's a different way you can witness to everybody. But you've got to be careful because you can you can over, I guess, over witness because they will go right over their head and they'll walk away thinking, what did I just hear about? What did he just say? So that's the second thing is or third thing. Now, when we witness someone, we just got to speak to them. You know, don't sit on the sidelines. Speak to them. Talk to them. Engage with them. If Christ has not made if Christ didn't make his way to the well to see this woman and never spoke to her, she would never heard of him. He made a way to her and spoke to her. And then I mentioned earlier about how Christ didn't win them all. In Mark chapter 10, we know the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler came before Christ and said, you know, I've kept all these commandments. What can I do to be saved? And Christ is like, sell everything and follow me. What did he do? Turned around and walked away, you know. So we're not going to win them all. We've got to try. you got to at least try. So... Jesus spoke to these individuals in very different ways and all kind of went to the way they were living and in their lives. So, and a child, a child, for example, it's going to be different when it's a child to into adults, you know. They, uh, they, they're innocent, more innocent, and they're easier to talk to, <laughs> but they're going to know as much as an adult does, you know, has been in church all their life. So Philip knew how important it was for Nathaniel to come and see Jesus. So when he says, come and see, that's a big thing because Nathaniel could have been like, you know, I'm okay. I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay right here. I hear you what you're saying, but I'm going to stay right here for right now. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let me just, I'll come back to that later. I'll come back to that later. All right. The second point is, uh, how we shouldn't do, we shouldn't lose our, our zeal and our excitement. You guys can probably tell, uh, I get very excited when I'm up here. I speak about 10 times faster. I'm very sorry, but I'm trying to do better. I promise. But, our zeal and our excitement when we tell someone about Christ, when we're, when we're quoting scriptures, when we're reading from the word of God. Uh, verse number 45 says, Philip findeth Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus is Nazareth, Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Right here, what does Philip do? He goes and says something they both know about. He says, he brings up the law of Moses like, Hey man, we've been studying about this. The Messiah is coming. He's here, you know. And instead of being more excited, Nathaniel's like, nah, you know, is there any good thing can come out of there? Are you, are you sure? You know, how many times have you witnessed someone? You're giving them scriptures. You're all excited. Jesus is filling you up. And next thing you know, they're like, eh, I don't know. I don't care. You know, it's easy to be like, what? You don't care? You know, I encourage you all. And you probably all do this, but I encourage you all to stay, like, stay excited, you know, like, no man, really, look. <laughs> It's, it's awesome. It's great. Look at this, you know. Stay excited because it's easy for someone to shoot you down real fast and come back to you with their scriptures and their religion. And you're like, what? That don't make sense, though. That don't make sense. I had someone last month. I was witness to them. Uh, and they were talking about their, their beliefs. And it was different. And I was just listening to them. And here I am like, oh, I know the truth. I can't tell you, though, you're not listening. Because every time I try to talk to them, they would just, like, cut me off. You know, like, they were what they knew, what they knew, what they knew. All I could do was just listen. You know, just shake my head. And then I would try my best to get a little few things in like, okay, well, my my Bible says this, you know, and I believe this. But they were not hearing it. What I'm trying to say is 
as much as you try, as Philip did to Nathaniel, sometimes they're just not going to hear it. They just don't want to hear it. And that's okay. The Bible says not to cast the pearls before the swine. You know? Shake off your dust from your feet. And go to the next one. But you got to try. you got to try. Uh, third point tonight is how do we get people to see Jesus? How do we get people? Uh, well, I wish, I wish it was, uh, easy enough to say, hey, look, I'm saved. You want some, you want to be saved? Awesome. Great. It's not that easy. There are three ways that I saw when I read the scripture is the best way that people see Jesus is not only showing them how excited you are and testifying of what God did for you, giving them your testimony, but also God's word is powerful. It is, it is awesome. I love reading God's word. We are just, we're human, you know, where there's no power in us. We can't convict, we can't save. But when you open this Bible and you start reading verses in this Bible, there's something about it. It's like the Holy Spirit's like, I'm going to work now. I'm going to move in here. I'm going to do this now. Something that I thought could never happen. Here's the Holy Spirit going, let me just touch that heart real fast. Let me just touch that heart. Showing people God's word and revealing God's word to them, that is the best way for people to see Jesus. We can't take him to him physically because he's not here. He's in heaven. But we can show him God's word because this is the word. Uh, John 1.1 1, 1 says, I mean, this is the greatest verse. I think one of the greatest verses. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This right here is the word of God. This is Jesus right here. This is the Holy Spirit. It is, it is perfect. It is without flaw. And that is the best way. Reveal the word to them. If they don't want to hear it, again, like I said, that's okay. You know, just got to move on. But do your best. A fourth thing. Uh, I'm getting closer. Fourth thing here. In verse 47, it says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. So right here, Jesus saw Nathanael before he even came. And what I mean by that is that before Jesus, before Nathanael made his way from where they were talking, Jesus saw him. You know, Jesus saw Philip and Nathanael talking. He saw them. Nathanael didn't know this, though. All the work you're putting in, all the witnessing, all the door knocking, all the street preaching, all the track giving out, all the witnessing you're doing right now, Jesus sees it all. He sees your work. It's not for naught. If you if you go into a, a situation to witness and you walk away defeated, and you're like, oh, well, that didn't go well at all. You know, like you feel like you just failed God altogether. God's like, listen, I saw that. I saw your work. I saw you were trying to do for me. I see it. I'm going to touch his heart. I'm going to work on it. If he allows, if that, if that person allows God to work with them, God's going to move. God's going to touch. We have to trust that God sees them. We have to trust that God sees what we're doing. I trust every time I go into the, uh, the nursing homes or the, the hospitals or wherever I go to see my patients, I trust that God sees the work that I'm trying to do for him. Cause I'm not doing it for myself. I'm not doing it for me. Cause it's not about me. It's all about Christ. It's all about him. And it's all about helping as many people we can learn the gospel so they can get saved. So they can see what we got. We're working right now for the night because the night's drawing near. The morning's coming. We're working right now. And uh, I mentioned earlier about how Christ is the bride. He's coming back for his bridegroom. The bridegroom is Christ's prize. One day God's going to give him us. You know, can you imagine that? He's going to give us, he's going to give him us. We're his reward. <laughs> I just can't remember my hand on that. You know, that's me? Really? What? Me? We are going to be his bride. So it's just amazing that we're doing this work not for ourselves, but we're doing it for Christ. We're trying to build up more of the church. 
So before Jesus, uh, before Nathaniel saw Jesus, Jesus saw him. Uh, Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and the evil. God knows exactly what was going on. He sees their heart. He sees our heart. That's why I said we got to fill with the Spirit. All the flesh, we fill with the Spirit. Make sure our heart's right with God before we go witness. Uh, I had a preacher tell me one time, he preaches in, in prisons. Um, I have no desire right now to preach in prisons. If God calls me to, then I definitely will. But he, he was telling me, he said, listen, before you go in there, there's a lot of evil forces in there, you know. you got to make sure you're filled with the Spirit, you're right with God, and you're right in the Word. Because you go in there, it's not like going to a hospital, not like nursing home. It's not the same. You're going in and fighting a whole different spirit. Being on the street right now, <laughs> walking down the street, handing out a tract. If you're not filled with the Spirit, it'll be really easy to fail when you find someone who does not want to hear anything you have to say and doesn't want to see what, you, what you're doing on the street. Because I promise the devil does not like it. We all know this. And if we're not careful, we can wind up finding someone who will actually face us with the force because he doesn't want to see it. And what I'm saying about being filled with the Spirit, it'd be easy to be filled with the flesh. And when someone comes and combats us or like convict or like, uh, um, what should I say here? Uh, conflict us. Conflict is that we could be in the flesh and rouse up like, hey, what are you talking about? You know, go away, back off. You know, be filled with the Spirit. Would be easier to be like, all right, listen, you know, back away, step back. He doesn't want to hear it. It's okay, and show him love instead of you know, a little anger, because anger can run your testimony real fast. I have some people in my family who uh, got a little upset sometimes and run their testimony. We're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. The flesh is strong, but it's a lot easier to dial down that anger when you get Christ in your heart and Christ is on your mind. So the fifth thing tonight. Is in verse 47 and 48. And this is where my message is going to come from. You're like, wait, your message? Yes, I promise it's going to be short. <laughs> verse 47 and 48. It says, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. When he says he's no guile, he's pure. He's upright. He's honest. You know, he knew he knew that he was, you know, he was worshiping. And I think Nathaniel, he was in the right. I think he was in the right spirit. I think he was, you know, worshiping God. Uh, I think he was not doing anything wrong. He just had a way he was doing things. Then here comes the Philip. And he's like, hey, man, you know, I found somebody. You know, this is Christ. You know, come and see. I don't think Philip was like or Nathaniel was saying, like, you know what? I don't want to see Christ. That maybe you could be wrong. Maybe you don't know if it's really him. He had doubts, right? Because he just said he was pure and upright. God knows everything about us. And if you're trying to run or avoid or even hide or just get away from God, God sees your heart. Numbers 32 verse 23 says, But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Whatever we're trying to hide tonight, I mean... The smallest things, the smallest things in life. God's gonna find them out. He's gonna bring them to light. My best, my best advice and what I'm trying to, I mean, for myself is <laughs> before God points his finger on it, to ourselves bring it to light and confess it to God. You're like, hey, listen, Lord, search my heart. I want to get everything in my heart out. I want you to search my heart and let me know if there's anything wrong or hindering the spirit. Reveal it to me so I can confess it to you. I want you to, to, to forgive me because I want to be used of you. God knows us more than we know us. We all know that. And I believe that when a sinner comes to know the Lord, the one, last, one of the last things they do before they confess and believe is 
because I was guilty of this. It's like, who told you about me? You know, <laughs> how'd you know that? How did you know that? And the Samaritan woman in uh, uh, John chapter four in verse 19, it says, uh, or verse 17, I'll, I'll read the first few verses. Uh, Jesus said to her, go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus answered unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband for thou hast five, five husbands. And he whom thou hast not is not thy husband. And that saidest thou truly. Then watch this. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Who told you about me? How did you know those things? It's funny how when Christ puts his finger on something, we're like, wait, how did he know that? God knows all. God knows your heart. Don't try to hide. Come out up front and tell him up front and reveal and confess your sins. So when we think no one's watching, when we say no one, no one cares, God's always there. God always cares for us. He, he sees your heart. He sees your burden. He sees your issues. He sees what you're going through. He wants to help you. Let him help you tonight. And so the fig tree. The fig tree is where Nathaniel is. And the fig tree is where um, some commentaries say that this is where Nathaniel is worshiping. I've read a lot of books. I hope that I'm right in this way. And I, I believe that this could be correct. And I'll explain why in a second. But in here he's saying, I saw thee on the fig tree. A lot of Old Testament prophets would go to a favorite place to read, to worship, and to praise God. This could be this could have been Nathaniel's way of worshiping and praising God under the fig tree, because what I mean by that is when Jesus said to him uh, in verse number fifty, "Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree." I believe that Nathaniel was praising, worshiping God here. I think he was, you know, praising God, and we know Jesus is God. It's like you're praising God, but you what you know you were actually praising me, and he was like King of Israel. God, how'd you know me? You know, what'd you, how'd you, how'd you see me there? And I think it's amazing how when we are worshiping God and we're giving him praise and he sees our heart, he sees what we're doing and he wants to bless us and he wants to help us. And sometimes we get so caught up in the same old things over and over again, we kind of come complacent of what we're doing, you know? We want to worship God. We're not doing the wrong thing. We're doing the right thing. We're giving him service. We're giving him praise. But sometimes it gets a little comfortable. It gets a little, uh, little routine, you know. For example, this is my, my my three points tonight is three three things that can cause a Christian to remain under the fig tree, remain complacent. And I don't think any of us are replacement complacent. I just hope I never get there. You know, I want to be make sure I'm on fire for God all the time. I want to make sure that He's always can use me. The fig tree. Being in the place of worship, if we're not careful, we can uh, relax too much. You know, we can kind of get to church and go through the motions, you know, fellowship one with another, have a good time, see the choir, praise God, go home, come back that night, same thing, Wednesday night, same thing. Is that the only place we're worshiping, though? Or are we worshiping all seven days of the week, you know? Not just here in church, in your house, in your car, uh, in your job site, in the grocery store. Because we can get, I'm guilty of it, you know. I've been guilty of coming here just going through the motions. Sitting down in the pew, singing a few songs, going home, come back, you know. Not thinking about, you know, why I'm outside of church. Could I, be, could I be doing more? Could I be helping people more, witnessing more? I know I can. There's always more I can do. But I feel like Nathaniel here, when he's worshiping, and then Philip comes, we found Christ. We found him. He's not doing anything wrong. He's just comfortable where he is. He doesn't want to leave where he is. When someone tries to tell us, like, listen, 
do you want to go to nursing home with me? Do you want to go, you know, hand out tracks? Do you want to go door knocking? We could be like Nathaniel and say, uh, you know, what, what good is this going to do? Why should I go do that? You know, I'm okay. I'll stay in my comfort zone. I'll stay where I am and not get out and do the hard things. Or we could be, get out of our comfort zone and go and do our best and try to please the Lord and do the work for Him. You know, door knocking, it's not easy. It's not easy having someone to say something mean to you. It's not easy to have someone take the track and waddle up and throw on the ground. It's not easy to getting, you know, denied. It's hard. It's hard. We're, we're, you know, we're flesh, but it's worth it. You know, it's worth it. And so I hope we can all can say out of our comfort zone and come out and do more for Christ. So be careful where you are. Try not to fall in the, the, the worship of complacency because it's easy. It's very, very easy to kind of get just caught up in the routine. Just forget what we're here for. You know, don't forget why we're here. Uh, every morning or every time I come to church, I'm like, Lord, you know, let me be used of you. Let me see you. I want to see you. I hope every time I go to church, I want to see Christ in the singing and the preaching and just a fellowship with you guys. I want him to be here every single time. In the past, I have been guilty of showing up and not even having that thought cross my mind. I come to church, I sing, I go home. I never want to get into that again. I always want to come to church like, like, Lord, please show up. Let us see you. Let us see you. Just, just one second seeing you, that would be worth it. He's so great. So be careful of falling. The second thing I see here is um, Nathaniel, as I mentioned earlier, he could have been reading and worshiping under that tree. And now I was reading a book by Brother Oliver B. Green, and some of you might know him. Uh, he's re- he was saying how um, some people are saying that Nathaniel could have been reading uh, Genesis chapter 28. I read it to you. This is why I say this. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 10 through 12, it says, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted, up, lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night, because the sun was set, and took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down at that, sleep to sleep, at that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached the heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Now, verse 51 in John chapter 1 says, and he said to him, Very verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, whether I can prove this or not, obviously I cannot. But even if he was reading this scripture, even if he was reading this passage and just brought it forth and said, All right, you say this. What are we reading? What are we watching? What are we doing? When God calls on us, how are we behaving at home? Not here. Not here. This is, this is at home. How is our life? You know? If God comes to your living room and says, all right, what are you doing there? You know, are we going to be found guilty? If God was to walk or knock on the door and he comes to the front door, are we going to be like, oh, man, you know, I wasn't ready for that. You know, when uh, my parents surprised me, they haven't done it in a long time, but like, if they come over, is my house clean? You know, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Not right now, actually. But <laughs> if our hearts are right in church, but outside of church, we're not doing the, what we should be doing. We're not reading the right thing. We're not watching the right thing. And Christ comes down and is like, hey, hey, what are you doing? You know? Or be like, found guilty. Like, oh, man, I'm sorry. You know? Because it's easy. It's easy. I'm glad that Nathaniel wasn't in the wrong place. He was in the right place. He was worshiping and serving God. He was right with God. And God could use him. Our hearts at all times, not, not just happen to have all the time, it needs to be right where it needs to be, right in the spirit.
And so that's how God can use this. And uh, I don't think it's a problem here. I think we're all pretty set on the King James Bible. Uh, we preach it all the time. It is the true inspired word of God. So many Christians have changed religions and changed Bibles. And that was one of the conversations I had today with a man was that he switched from the King James Bible to a new version because he, he could understand it more and it spoke to him more. And I'm, I mean, I, I, it was hard, you know, to hear that because profess he was, you know, but we're, it'd be easy. You know, what if someone came to it and influenced us? Like, listen, you know what? That Bible has flaws. And you know what? This is something actually is more true and more accurate today with new technology. It actually uh, translates it more than better. Because I hear it all the time. Every day at work, I hear it. The new technology can translate Scripture better. I hear it every day. Every day. What if one day I was weak in the spirit and more flesh? And one day I was like, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe I should start reading that more. And I pray to God that never happens to me. But it could, because I'm flesh. Men have fallen all over. You know, Christians have changed religions. They're changing Bibles. It's easy. You know why? Because we're just flesh. We have to be filled with the Spirit. We have to walk in the Spirit. So, staying in the right word, reading the right word, and last thing of the night, last point, is how Nathaniel responded. So, in verse 46, it says, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? You would think he'd be more excited when he heard about Messiah being close. You know, I would like to think I would have been like, oh, let's go. Let's do it. Yes, finally. But instead he was like, are you sure? Because it's Nazareth. I don't know if anything good comes out of there. We are called on by our friends, our loved ones, on when Christ calls on us. Are we going to be like, you know, right now is not the time. I'm not ready. Let me uh, just wait till next time. And that, that moment can bypass this. What if, what if, what if Ken came to my house and said, we're going to go down here, we're going to witness, we're going to street preach, we're going to do this. And I was like, Ken, I'm tired, not today, you know. And Ken goes down and he preaches and then 25, 30 people get saved. You know, I just missed an, a wonderful, amazing opportunity. Plus, time with Ken, who could pass that up, right? <laughs> but we never know, we never know what we could be missing if we stay at home. If we stay in our comfort zone, if we don't get out there and see more of Jesus, because God's glory can happen at any time. It happens every day, you know. Some of us get a chance to see it, some of us don't. But it's always going to happen. I always want to be there. When those doors are open, I want to be here if I can be. If we're not somewhere else, I want to be here because you never know. One day, five can get saved. Ten can get saved. You know what? Anything can happen all the time. But if we're comfortable and we want to stay in our own little zone, we can miss God's glory. And I don't want to miss that because that's that's wonderful. That's amazing. And that's why I went back to verse number 39 when God says, come and see, you know, come and see. And Philip says to Nathaniel, come and see, you know, just come and see, man. You got to see this. My message to you guys tonight is it's very easy to get comfortable in the way we worship and the way we live life. It's not wrong. coming here, worshiping God. It's not wrong. That's fantastic. I love it. But staying in your same old routine over and over and not expecting to see change and not expecting to see God light this place up and just his spirit dwell here, that's wrong. We should always come here looking. Like revival starts up on Monday night. What if we all came with the same desire to see a soul saved, a life changed, all come in and saying, like, God, we believe you're going to show up. We want to see you. If we all came in that way, I guarantee it, God's going to show up and be like, all right. You looking for me? Here I am. I'm showing up, you know. 
I want to see that. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, anytime, senior saints, whatever's going on. Are we expecting God to show up or are we just going through the same routine all the time over and over? Because it can happen to us. It's, it can happen to us. So I don't want to become complacent. I want to, I want to be used as God as much as I can. I want to see God. And uh, I'm sure most, you guys might know this more than me. Um, you've been working more in the ministry than I have. I've noticed just in my own experience and testimony that the more I do for Christ, the more I see him, the more he shows himself to me. If I witness more, if I tell people more about him, he shows himself to me. I want to see as much as Christ as I can. Come and see. Zach, come and see my glory. Come and see how good I am. Because he's great, man. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it tonight. So I hope and pray that we all have the same desire to come and see Jesus. Because he's worth it. He's so great. He's so great. Oh, man. Our Heavenly Father tonight, we love you. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, how great you are. Lord, I want to see you in everything that I do. I want to see you in my praise, my worship, when I'm at home, when I'm studying, in the store, at work. God, I want to see you. I want to see how great you are because you're you're wonderful. And let me not ever be complacent in my worship, in my my testifying, in 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 my sin, whatever it may be. May I always have a desire and a fire to serve you. To please you. Because God, you're worth it. You're the greatest thing, Lord. And we love you. We know that you love us. We know what you did for us, Lord. I pray tonight that you would just deal with hearts tonight. You just, just, if there's someone here lost, Lord, and they don't know you, will you please show them and touch them and show how great you are. Reveal to them. Touch their heart. Deal with them, Lord. We love you so much. We thank you for loving us. We have to be in, be in the invitation, Lord. May you be magnified. May you be glorified in what's said and done. And Lord, we just touch hearts and deal with hearts tonight. We ask you all these things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.